Well, the Avalanche get their thousandth win away from Quebec and at the expense of a poor Sharks showing. All that and some more after this. But first, if you want to be a part of the show, please follow us on all of the social media. That would be on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, chat, of course, <clears throat> SoundCloud, Reddit, and where all the shenanigans are located, Discord, and of course, everything on TealTownUSA.com, the great place to find all of the Sharks updates that you want to see. I am happy to have Mark back on the show and mark <laughs> here we are again <laughs> and i i mean i don't know how many times or, or or how many ways we can fillet a piece of crap but we're gonna have to do it again <laughs> i kind of want to hear what you have to say first before we dive into the deep end um I was kind of thinking the same thing leading in. I'm like, what exactly can I say about this kind of performance that we haven't already said this season about 15, 20, 25 times? But, uh, yeah, it's just another one of those nights where our team underperforms. This time it was against what I think is one of the top two or three teams in the league. So no shocker there. But, yeah, it wasn't fun to watch as a Sharks fan. Yeah, and... You know, we'll I'll we'll 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 save the rants for for a little bit later on, but again, it's just for the for the first period. You know, they are pretty much on their heels from the puck drop. Um, you know, the the sharks are clearly outclassed, um, and and, and it was just really difficult to watch. I mean, and and again, it's it's not like there's a lot that we can draw from insofar as what the rookies are doing or, or anything like that, because it's just a total system wide failure at this point. Yeah. And also, how easy did the avalanche make that first period look? I mean, those those two goals, they were quick. Uh, they were almost predictable. You could see them happening in slow motion. McCarr firing from the point. It, no pressure on him at all. PK just sitting there, and I, I just well, think, I think we got. I have an analogy for you, and and at being sure. a New Yorker, I'm sure you you've seen the Harlem Globetrotters, but that was Harlem Globetrotters versus Washington Generals level of power play. That Dipsy Doodle, the they didn't have the puck on their sticks longer than 15 seconds, and then it was on to the next guy, and boom, back on the net. Yeah, this was like JV versus varsity in like high school. It, it just, it was, they just don't match up, plain and simple. It, the speed, the puck handling, the pressure, the possession game, Avalanche just had it all. And you saw it really in those first 10, 15 minutes of the game. Yeah, 
You're, you're exactly right. And so we, we've teased it out enough. It's uh, Gabriel Landeskog, surprise, surprise. His 18th on the season, Makar and Rantanen with the assist. That comes 11-13 in the first. And that wouldn't be the first one that they scored that way. Just two minutes later, Kale Makar gets his sixth on the season. Rantanen and Donskoy factoring on those assists on another power play goal. And it's it's undisciplined play from from the team that are causing these these um, these penalties. And you've got to realize how killer this power play is. And you know, that's what happens when you put them on the power play like that. They're they're going to score and score with ease. Yeah. And that true penalty just I mean you could argue some of that is unluckiness, but it's, you also got to be aware of your stick and aware of what's happening around you. And it's just in the defensive zone. The guy's pressuring your defenseman who has the puck and he does the whole corkscrew thing where you get your stick caught between someone's legs and he goes down right in front of the referee. So it's an easy call to make. And it's unfortunate, but it's just can't take those kind of penalties. Just inexcusable. Yeah. Yeah. And, and again, in that first period, it's just more lifeless play from the defense. Um, I mean, even I, I mean, Ferraro has been, you know, playing his heart out, but, but even tonight it, it seemed like a little bit of an off showing, you know, it just seemed again, that whole back end is just in disarray. I mean, Vlasic is a shell of himself at this point. Uh, I mean, Eric Carlson, you know, love him or hate him. I mean, statistically not doing well this season. Um, we'll all be diplomatic about it that way. Brent Burns can pot you a goal or get you an assist, but he can also be a direct cause to to a goal uh, and, and it being the back of his net. And, and I don't know how you're supposed to think that something's going to be different with the continued reliance and heavy minutes usage on, on those three and they clearly are have something out of whack there in uh, you know in, in in the ice time distributions. I know that Vlasic has gone way down, but it, it it's time to send a message to to the big guys, don't you think? I think beyond time. Yeah, and I, I don't know how you exactly go about doing that. Um, I pretty much agree with you in the fact that like you look at especially all the money that's being distributed to our defense. Um, you'd expect it to be one of the strengths of the team, especially with some of those names there. But it's just a disaster to watch them sometimes. And I do believe Carlson has looked better in the second half of the season than he did in the first. And he's had some stretches where, you know, you that was see a pretty low bar to slight... clear. That was a pretty was. low bar to clear. And you see some glimpses of like some of his old game, but for the most part, this game, I think, is a perfect indicator of what you expect to see when you're paying a defenseman what he's getting paid. Kale McCarr is what you're hoping for from Eric Carlson, and he's what Eric Carlson pretty much used to be. And watching this game is exactly the tale of two stories there. You have Kale McCarr, who's just this hotshot rookie, amazing. I'll throw in from UMass. But basically, he's just dominating the league. 
He's probably the best defenseman when healthy in the NHL right now. And he's, what, 21? I'm not exactly sure on the age, 22 maybe. Um, but he's on his rookie contract. You have Carlson, who was basically that player five, ten years ago. And when you sign to that extension, you're paying him $11.5 million. You want him to have that impact on the game. And sometimes I'm thinking, okay, well, is it that our team is too weak around him? But I don't think that's the case because you watched him back in Ottawa. There were years when they didn't have a great team. And he was still a dominant player. He'd take over a game. And he just simply doesn't really do that anymore. Yeah. So that's where it's concerning. And seven more years at that rate. So, yeah, a lot of concern with the back end of our team. Yeah, and and look, I mean, everybody, I, I, I've been pretty consistent on the Martin Jones is not a good goaltender this was not his fault tonight, and and I don't want anybody thinking that it that it was on goaltending because, I mean, quite frankly, we'll get to the shots on goal, but you know, giving up three three goals on thirty six shots, and and the fact that it was it had to be pretty acrobatic saves at points, right? You're, he was stretching a lot when he was in the butterfly, trying to cover those posts, um, and. Uh, you know, I think he did his part, but again, it's like, how can you fairly evaluate Martin Jones when you put that defense in front of him? And, and I think for me, at least the body of work prior to now has consistently gone down and that's very concerning. And I think we can still on the whole say the Martin Jones experiment did not work outside of the first two years um and uh, but again it's it's like i don't know what he is still because this defense in front of him is just so inconsistent yeah and it's another situation it's like how exactly do we go about fixing it we have him signed for a few more years at a pretty sizable cap hit for a goalie specifically, a goalie that's not performing. Uh, we don't have a clear-cut replacement. I mean, Kojanash and like Melnichuk, they're, they're both prospects still. Neither one looks like they're really, truly NHL starter re- up ready. So, yeah, I mean, Jones, you can watch certain games and get the feeling that he's just not the guy. But then there's other other games where it's like, is it even worth judging his performance based on what's in front of him and how outmatched the team is? You know, tonight, Jones, like you said, I think it was two goals against 33 saves, one empty netter, right? Oh, so empty, right? He, he, he was fine. You know, he did his job. No blame placed on him. But at the same time, we've seen plenty of stretches where the guy can't even save a beach ball in the first period. So... It's just the story of 2020, 2021. Well, actually, only 2021. San Jose Sharks, because it's just one te- one part of the team looks good, another team looks part of the team looks terrible, and tonight it was an example of just two different teams altogether. There's just no match up there. Yeah, yeah, just no match and no real answer. Um, to be honest with you, I mean, no no answer at all and the scary thing is mark this team's going to be good for a while i mean this isn't mm. th- this isn't going to be like a one-off kind of thing i mean they have i think gerard is still on his rookie or, you know his entry level 
and they've got you know Devon Taves. I mean, I don't know how they snuck him out of out of the Islanders, but that was a big mistake. Um, you know, Connor Timmins is going to be a, a guy that's that's going to be up and coming. I mean, hell, even Patrick Nemeth logged twenty uh, you know twenty minutes tonight. So, uh, you know, it, again, there's there's a lot of youth over there, and it just goes to show you how far the Sharks have to go in order to to be a powerhouse in the West again. And and I hate to burst anybody's bubble if you didn't think this already, but I think it's going to be a very lean four years at least. Yeah, and I think with Colorado, they should be looked at as probably at least for the next four to five years as the premier team at least in the Western portion of the country. That's for sure. They, they have the talent. They've got good contracts. They have young players who are either on their first or second deal. Um, They have good depth. They, they pretty much have everything except like a stud goaltender. Grubauer is good, but I don't know if he's necessarily a cup winning goalie. He could be the one thing that maybe holds them back. But, um, I really like that team and they're fun to watch too. That's the thing. Like they have the speed, they have the puck handling and you have guys like Makar and McKinnon and when they have the puck, it's just like your eyes are glued to them. They're all over the ice. It's crazy. It's like they're happening almost in fast forward. You watch McKinnon and he's stick handling and it's like, how is someone moving at that speed with that precision? You know? Yeah. And, and again, like I said, it's it's Harlem Globetrotters versus Washington Generals. I mean, it just that puck is just silky smooth coming off of their sticks. I mean, the perfect amount of sauce to to power ratio. I mean, Miko Rantanen's one timer is a thing of beauty. And and you've got Nathan McKinnon who can literally dance in a phone booth. You know what I mean? He's got dangles for days. I, you know, in my book, I, I mean, I, I don't get me wrong. Connor McDavid is, is great, but give me, you know, give me a Nathan McKinnon any day with, you know, with just his work ethic in both ends of the ice and just how talented he is. Mm-hmm. And he's a bit tougher too. I think he, he's, he has a little bit of a physical edge to his game. He's great all over the ice. Um, uh, yeah, I, I could be convinced that McKinnon is the best player in the NHL. Um, definitely top two. It's pretty much him or McDavid, I think, but I, I see the argument for McKinnon. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think McDavid has more raw talent. That's for sure. But sometimes McDavid's passion or like drive kind of, leaves me like sometimes I feel like he can kind of go into the Sidney Crosby pouty baby you know face like I, and and mm-hmm. it doesn't happen often but you know McDavid I think can do it with the best of them whereas Nathan McKinnon to me he just he's like a fighter you know it, just a, a guy that you know would stand in the ring you know 13 rounds or whatever and just you know keep going so I don't know. It's the same reason why I really liked Ryan O'Reilly as well. I thought he was, you know, a really good player that way. So, and yeah, surprise, surprise, they both come out of the Colorado system, right? So, yeah. Yeah. He's a player that I did not, I respect his game, but I personally still hate him. <laughs> <laughs> From playing him in the playoffs, I do not like that guy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, 
you know, I remember, like I said, I remember going him going on. Um, well, I remember it. It was Paul Stastny for a while when he was an Avalanche. He was, um, you know, he was also another stud center that they had, and they just, you know, they just make good centers in Colorado. It, it just seems like they have a wealth of abundance there, and and again, it, it shows on the ice that that puck was on a string and and it was just it was almost like ballet you know what i mean it was just so much finesse and but so methodical yeah even putting aside how fast some of their players are it's just so easy to see them play fast because every pass is to write exactly where the player is going to be and a guy is not even looking, but he knows where his teammate is. They just have absolute cohesion there on that team. And that's why I think they're going to be very hard to knock out in the playoffs. I mean, maybe Vegas could do it, but I think Colorado's going to be in a full seven-game series. I, don't, I just don't know how you match up with that talent. Yeah. No, I mean, it, it, I think it's inevitable in that second round it's going to be Colorado and, and Vegas, and it's going to be finesse on – brute brutality i guess and we're gonna see you know who is um <laughs> you know who is more cut out for that kind of war of attrition you know the, as as much as i love miko ranton and i he's not very durable um hasn't been you know for most of his career and uh, you know if, if you've got mark stone freaking hacking you to death in a seven game series i i don't know that he's gonna last yeah, that's what you always have to watch out with playing Vegas. And, uh, I mean, that's I mean, kind of the foundation for the Sharks' rivalry with them, aside from all the Kane and Reed shenanigans. But you, you play them in a series, and that's why you almost hope you can beat them in five. Because if that, game go, if that series goes six or seven games, you're probably losing at least one or two of your good players due to the physical nature of their game and somewhat dirty nature as well. You know, they remind me a lot of the Kings back in, you know, in, in 10 and 12 or uh, what was it? 12 and 14. You know what I mean? Where they had that really nasty um, grit to them and, and they just had those punchable face faces. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But it, it just, you're, you're right. It's just, they're, they're just nasty. And um I think that Colorado, if they can get a little bit of nastiness to their game, then, you know, I'd be a little bit more confident. But, boy, howdy, I, the way Fleury is playing and then Leonard is coming back, it, the goaltending edge is way in Vegas's favor. So, um, I don't know. It's going to be interesting. Yeah, I think that's what could actually end up shifting the series in favor of Vegas, like you said, is the, just the goaltending there. This year, Flurry's just on level again. And Leonard, as the great partner with him, Grubauer can't match up with that. So if um, the Colorado offense can't penetrate that goaltending, then you're going to have some issues there, and it could be a shorter series in Vegas's favor because they definitely have the game, I think, to match up with goals with Colorado. Maybe not the talent, but they have the game to get those goals against Colorado. So that actually will be an amazing series to watch if it ends up happening. Yeah. Yeah. Well, 
uh, wrapping it all up, we have that empty netter, uh, Miko Rantanen, Landis Cog, and Soderbergh on the assists, 18-23 in the third. And that would, you know, do that. Um, you did have that uh, replay, um, and unfortunately, you know, the Sharks, um, you know, did not come out on the, the right side of that, but it was clearly offsides. I mean, there was, you know, there was no doubt about that. And, you know, the, the <laughs> it's just Murphy's law, you know, everything that's going to be screwed up is going to, is going to be screwed up. I mean, you know, all options aside, you know, whenever you get, um, you know, some, some turbulence in the season or whatever, everything's going to break. It just seems like with this team. Yeah. And now the power play is, I think, what, over 28, over 29, something like that. It's we pathetic. thought the streak was finally broken with that goal, and then uh, nope, offsides. It was pathetic. Their their power play has been pathetic for the last month, and and at this point, this evening, I literally saw a team go for ten minutes and didn't have a shot on goal. That's mm-hmm. that's ridiculous. That like that's get fired level of 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 uncommitment or i mean at least for me where it just seems like the team just is lifeless and and that's the thing mark that's really scary about this team is that it can just go so limp and so lethargic and with the amount of talent that they have that's that's inexcusable i mean yeah you know what you're gonna get outclassed by colorado colorado's a damn good team but to be lifeless, that's 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 the part, that's the issue that I have. And that to me, that means that they're quitting on the coach and, and you know, shots need to be fired now because this it's it's unacceptable. It's unacceptable. Yeah. Yeah, and that's the thing that is just it's so hard to really know what aside from the talent like mismatch with against certain teams, our team still has talent. The Sharks have talent. It's just a matter of, is there a cultural issue with this team? Is it coming from the coach down? Is it coming from even upper management, GM, Doug Wilson? Where Where is it coming from and how do we solve it? Because this doesn't look like a quick fix anymore. I don't think this is a retool situation like a few years back when we had that one bad year. We drafted Timo, suddenly the team back in the playoffs next season. This doesn't look like that. This is looking like a prolonged stretch of probably not making the playoffs and possibly being in the top like five to 10 picks because I, it based on also the contracts we have, the lack of cap space and the length of the contracts. Do we really see much changing with this team over the next two, three years? I mean, look at that defense. It's going to be the same defense probably for another three to four years, unless we find a way to get someone that gone via the expansion draft or buy someone out. So, I was just about to say is, you know, you, you pray to God that that somebody will, you know, that that Seattle will will pick off a Brent Burns if he's exposed or something. But yeah, I mean it. it man, I just I don't. I mean, people are asking, you know, oh, you know, amount of talent where and and let me pull that up from from Jim and and I think that this is a good I think it's good to get a little bit of of you know this kind of opposite perspective 
you know, I'm coming from it from a place of, I was, you know, we were, we saw how good Eric Carlson was in Ottawa, right? I think, you know, we saw glimpses of how good he could be when he was healthy and when he was engaged in a, you know, pursuit for the playoffs and he had a good team around him. But boy, I, I really, I, I don't know what he is at this point. I really don't, and, and and I don't know. I don't know what he is, and I don't know what Brent Burns and him are together. I don't know if this is a this is a tenable situation anymore between these two. I I think it's I think it's just too difficult to have basically two of the exact same player be basically a defensive liability for two-thirds of the game and expect any different results. Yeah, and, and if you're going to maintain those guys, you have to make up for it somewhere else. You have to have a, either a fantastic goalie or great defensive forwards that will pick up the slack. You know, it this team just falls apart too often, and that's the problem. When Burns is pinching, it seems like there's no one there to cover for him. Uh, or if Carlson takes a shot, it bounces off someone's leg. And then his defensive partner isn't there and suddenly you have a breakaway. And it's just the constant breakdowns are what I see as the problem. Like you can have a Carlson, you can have a Burns, but you have to have the right pieces around them. I don't know if you can have necessarily both, especially at what they're getting paid because that takes up a sizable chunk of cap. And they're too, I wouldn't say, I, I think there's a difference in their game, but they are still similar in the fact that they're offensive minded defensemen, you know? And solving that problem is you have to have a top five goalie in the league, you know, a guy who will bail them out time and time again. And we don't have that. Um, so it's not really a one player solution here. You need to get those better forwards or a better system that works around them. You have to have the goaltending and it's not going to happen via just one first round draft pick or, you know, one signing. It's going to take multiple pieces to really fix this kind of problem. I mean, at this point, Mark, we know what Bob Bugner is. We know his system. It's not working. Mm. I mean, I know that he had his extension, what was it, last year or the year before? Or was it this year they gave him the extension? No, I think it was this year they gave him the extension. And I, I, I know that the team is concerned and, and rightly so on, um, you know, COVID and the, uh, you know, expenses piling up and, and especially in a season where you don't have revenue coming in. But I don't know how management expected any different results from the end of last season. And, and I think we've just continued to see the same inconsistencies since since he was hired basically and yeah i i I, it's clear that he doesn't really have a good handle on how to integrate burns and carlson together and that's that's the problem and and so does that mean that john madden's got to do a little bit better job or or does that mean that you know somebody else is going to have to 
you know, take that over? I, I don't know, but I something's not something's got to give here at this point. Yeah, I'm not really convinced on Bugner. Like, I don't once again think he's really necessarily the problem, but I don't know if he's really proven that he's the guy that you have carrying you through this transition phase. You know, he. I don't really know what happened with him in Florida, but that was a talented team, and he got pushed out there fairly quickly. Um, comes back, and he did have some, there were some promising signs late last season, right before the shutdown, where our team defense was kind of making a little bit more sense. Jones was playing better. There was better numbers across the board, at least at shutting down the opponent, maybe not scoring so much, but I, I just don't know if the evidence is there that Bugner is the coach you want. A, with this team, or B, if you're planning to rebuild or draft players and kind of rush them into the NHL, which is what it's looking like we might be doing. And we're giving a lot of our young players chances now. So it looks like they really want to give these guys a chance to either earn a role or see what they have. And I just don't know if there's evidence there to show that Bugner's the guy for that. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, what do you, where do you go? Do you bring in someone like Tortorella? I mean, what do you do? That's the question. It's tough. It's tough. But, I mean, you know, I think Tortorella is just more of an issue, right? I I think that the team kind of needs to go Bruce Boudreau because, you know, this is a guy that knows how to squeeze the most offense out of, out of his teams, right? And he would give the flexibility and the freedom for both, you know, Burns and Carlson and would devise a way for, for the team to kind of pick up around them. I... So yeah, I, I'm I'm left with the same questions I came into the season with. At this point, we've continued to hear the regurgitated arguments and the regurgitated party line. It, it's not cutting it for me anymore. I don't know about you, but this is this is ridiculous. Yeah, I've been one of um, Doug Wilson's biggest fans personally, like throughout his entire time in San Jose. And I'm not going to place all the blame on him because a lot of things happen that you necessarily can't predict. Like who would have predicted Vlasic becoming a barely serviceable NHL defenseman when he was among the best shutdown defensemen in the NHL, you know, and who would have predicted Jones after that cup run becoming like what an AHL caliber caliber goalie. You know, there's different things like that, that I'm not going to necessarily say, anyone could have necessarily foreseen. I mean, people didn't really like the term on some of those contracts when they happened. Right. Um, but I just wonder if it's time for San Jose to just, you know, have a different focus, have a different culture, have a different um, trajectory. And maybe that is getting rid of Wilson, um, despite the fact that, like, the guy does crazy good trades for the most part. And, like, he has a way of getting a lot of talent in return for players that we think are just okay within our franchise. I mean, as Carlson has kind of dropped off, but look still, when you look back at what we gave up, it only looks terrible now because of a, the sharks becoming a lottery pick team and B because Carlson's not really earning his contract, but you look back, we gave up no one of value at the time. We gave up our former late first round pick in Norris we gave up a future first round pick and then it was a bunch of like depth players for an elite defenseman, probably the best defenseman in the last like 15, 20 years, at least at the time. 
Um, and then you had obviously some other trades along the way. We brought in Burns, which was a good trade. Um, so it's I, I have a hard time placing blame on him, but sometimes franchises just need a change. You know, he's been here for a long time, so it's something that I do wonder if over the off season something like that might happen. Yeah, who knows? Yeah, I mean, you you don't. I don't know. I'm torn on this uh, on this one, Mark, because it's like, you know, Doug Wilson has done such an amazing job for a long time, and you think that that would buy you some some cachet, right? Um, so, I mean, you promote him, and then basically clean house underneath him. I mean, is that is that you know a, a possibility? I mean, I I just. The thing is with Doug Wilson is he's got so many ties to different, um, you know, to different people like Tim Burke is still in the organization and, um, you know, his son's in the organization and he's just got a lot of familiar ties there. And I don't know if he would be able to um, reconcile a new structure around him if you know everyone was let go underneath him i so i don't know it's it's a tough one it's a tough one because i think you're right i think that the team feels stale the ideas feel the same um it, it seems like this you know marching of the inevitable end of the the window you know had been coming and you thought you might have had some pieces that might help along in that transition but clearly I mean, when you see a team like Colorado and the way that they're built, you know, you look at you look on the Sharks and you go, boy, I, I, I don't see a team that's competitive, like I said, at least four or five years. Yeah. And on top of that, too, what you mentioned also with Doug Wilson Jr., you know, focusing on a, a positive, he did have a re- what looks like a really strong draft last year. Um, and I feel like they've definitely adjusted their strategy when it comes to drafting, which I appreciate so over the last few years. Um, but then you look also back at drafting, and I think that's a lot of the reason we're in the place we're in. Because you just the amount of times we took guys that I feel like maybe weren't the consensus pick where they were taken – um, and then someone right behind who fans even wanted or, you know, experts would have predicted would have gone in that spot, end up becoming the better player. I mean, there's a few of them over the last well, five to 10 years. It happened twice. But, it happened twice, right? Yeah. I mean, basically with Timo, it was um, Miko Rantanen was picked behind and Barzal. him. And Barzal was, was, you know, picked behind him. And I think we even moved up in that draft to pick Timo. Or was or was that Mirko? Might yeah, Mirko. it was the Mirko. Timo we held, but Mirko we moved up. What was it? A few spots, and then Mantha, Mantha sitting right there. Uh, but Mirko, I mean, like, oh boy, like where was that? Where was that pick? Who who made that call for that pick that early? Yeah, right. And and that's what I mean in terms of like the former drafting strategy. You know, I I was kind of surprised when we took someone like Goldobin because I felt like the Sharks were always like we're going to take a guy who's going to make the NHL, but we're not going to necessarily take a guy who's going to be a game changer. Um, and Mirko Mueller to me 
I, I just I will never understand that pick. Even if that guy became a good second pairing defenseman in the first round and even the second round, you should be reaching for like the stars. You should be reaching for guys who have upside of top pairing or top line. And the Sharks have changed that now. The last two years, I feel like a lot of their picks have been upside picks. You look at um, with the speed and the skill of those players and you say, okay, this guy, if everything goes right, could be a top line or a second line player. Yeah. But it just didn't feel that way for so long. And I think that's what really prevented us from like transitioning in some of those years when Marlowe, Thornton, Pavelski were getting older into the new young wave. Because like, as much as we like Meyer at certain times, imagine this team, how different they would be if they had a Rantanen or a Barzal. Oh, Barzal I'm... is a franchise player. Yeah, I mean, you basically, between him, Logan, and Hurdle, you've got one, two, three set for, for a little while, at least. You know, and because I, I think Barzal at this point is probably a better forward than Couture is, but still a one-two punch between him and Couture and then you have Hurdle, you know, a- able to anchor his own line or help put him on the wing with Barzal because I always have thought that Hurdle, when he goes to center, has always taken away from his offensive game. So, <clears throat> you know, that's kind yeah. of, you know, kind of how I would see that. But, uh, you know, we're, we're talking about this and and it's kind of like the elephant in the room at this point. But what the hell is Timo Meyer at this point? I mean, some of the some of the shifts that I see him put out there is just worthless. He just seems yeah. lost. Yeah. And just two years ago, this guy was what, a 30 goal, 60 point player? looking like he was climbing the ranks, going to be a top forward in the NHL. And now there's games where he fits in on the fourth line. How bad is that? Like, it just, I don't know what happened with him. I feel like some of his is a confidence as well as like a personality issue. Like he just, he, there's other guys on the team who look pissed when we're losing. Um, and I don't want to be one of those guys who jumps too much into like player psychology you know, thoughts. Cause I can't jump into their heads, but yeah. it's just something about Timo I just don't know how he fits in this team in the future, personally. Like, he's one of those guys that I would be... I don't know if his value is too low yet, because I still think people will see that he was a top-10 pick. He scored 30 goals, and he was a 60-point player, and they'll give up value for him. But he's one of those guys that I think could be part of the problem on this team. Yeah. No, I I think, you know, you're trying to be very diplomatic, but I just... I I see him not care at points. Mm -hmm. I see him not care at points. And the same thing with Kevin LeBanc. I feel like he had such, you know, he had such good potential. And I feel like his commitment level ebbs and flows the same as Timo's. You know what I mean? Where they, where they'll show you, you know, games where it's like, damn, you know, these are really good players and they've got a lot of skill. And then there are games where it's, they're just completely not there. And maybe it's a maturity thing. I don't I don't know, but at this point there's not really a lot of runway left to figure it out. Yeah, LeBanc I, I, I am definitely less hard on him because of obviously where he was taken in the draft. And you know, I He's, he's also getting paid less, and I think the expectations are a little bit lower, but I agree with you. He's another one of those ones that's just it's perplexing because you watch him, and sometimes you see the talent. You see the raw talent, and you're like, why is this guy not a 60-point player? 
why is he not carrying the team more often? He should be a top six forward. The talent is 100% there, but something's missing, you know, and Boy, I, if I don't you have could the answer give, to what that is. If you could give Ryan Donato's motor and put it in Kevin LeBanc, that would be a good player. Mm-hmm. Um, so, again, the, the team just looks too comfortable at this point. It looks too comfortable. Um, you know, you're you're not seeing urgency in some guys. Other guys are, you know, maybe being even incredibly too hard on themselves. I feel like Logan is that kind of a player where, you know, sometimes he needs to be a little bit more of a cheerleader, you know, like Pavelski, where, where you know, he knew the right buttons when to push. You know what I mean? And this doesn't seem like out of what I have seen from Couture, he's always seemed very introspective to me. So, I, you know, and, and of course, we don't see everything in the locker room. I'm sure, you know, he has his moments. But, you know, I just remember seeing Pavelski in that docuseries and, and just you, you could just see that that guy cared every every game he, he laced them up you could see him care yeah I think Achur is definitely a different type of personality um I definitely think he's captain material um I just he he's always been kind of to me more like the lead by example type guy and he's also very upfront with his opinions which I could rub some people the wrong way you never know I know we the Sharks have had problems with that in the past back in the just some of the jumbo captaincy days yeah. but um uh, Couture, I'm I'm kind of given a pass for some of the parts of the season. He's definitely got to be fighting some injuries. Oh yeah. Um, and and the first half of the season, he was on like record-setting pace for his career. Um, at least I think it was through the first 20 to 25 games with the goals he was and the points he was producing. But um, I think Couture is still a top player, and I think he's captain material. Um, I think he needs a little bit more around him, and it's just. The guys, he, he meshes well sometimes with Kane and some other guys he's meshed well with at times. But I think in general, I think we're putting too much on him because everyone else around him is just underperforming drastically. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. pretty much him, Kane and Hurdle who have at times at least lived up to their end of the deal. Um, but that's pretty much it up front. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree, and, and Finn also bring in some really good comments. Uh, Logan's and Little Joe's careers deserve better than this. Totally, totally true. And um, yeah, you know, it just—I don't know—just this this game really left a bitter taste in my mouth uh, because you know we had run the prior two games, but they didn't really look all that good either game. You know, it was just the life and the life—you know, life versus lifelessness, basically. You know, and, and, and that was, you know, they weren't, you know, wins that I took any solace in at this point because it's garbage time, right? Um, so, I mean, again, uh, you know, it <laughs> Big Bird coming in with, we get to, you know, just saying in less than 20 or, 21 hours, we get to see this like, all over again. <laughs> yeah, I, I think you, you took the words right out of my mouth. Um, and then... Uh, I also wanted to give a shout out to Rob. Rob had given us a couple of uh, super chat donations. Um, really appreciate it, Rob. Uh, long time, <laughs> not not a not a long time first time kind of deal, but he's been he's been uh, one of the OGs, so really appreciate it. And um, of course, if you want to, uh, you know, tip us, we'd love it uh, on um, you know any of the platforms. But I think we prefer the Venmo, the Venmo at Teal Town USA. And um, 
you know, again, anything that you guys, uh, that you guys chip in goes right back to the show. So we really appreciate it and, uh, and love y'all. Um, I mean, Mark, I, I, I don't, I, I don't have any, any inclination at this point to do, you know, the, our, our fun segment. So, I mean, any, any last words before, you know, we kind of start to, to fade out here and prepare ourselves for another one of those pathetic games tomorrow um i'll try and have a positive view on barabana i've liked his game so far and um i don't i I try not to get too excited about someone over two to three games because you know when people change teams they're playing with adrenaline they're excited to be there a lot of times they want to impress the new staff but i definitely like the small details and what i've seen in his game so far um so through three games positive there good move by wilson bringing him in um he is a UFA at the end of the season, so who knows if he's in the plans for the franchise, but I like what I've seen so far there. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think he is going to be an interesting piece going forward and we'll see uh you know what happens with him in the off season and and where he fits into the Sharks plans. So, Mark, where can the people find you and uh you know any last little tidbits before uh, before we head out? Um, they can find me Twitter, Mark E Mark S J S. Um, no, I'm just trying to watch the last few games of the season. Cause it's, it'll be a shorter off season than normal, but you know, then there won't be any sharks hockey for however amount of months. So, you know, it's, it's depressing to see the team in this state, but, um, yeah, I'm just trying to watch these games with open eyes as a, as a hockey fan and a sharks fan. And that's pretty much what I'll be doing for the next two weeks. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, uh, I think the the best part uh, about all this is just taking a look at the talent, you know, from the CUDA and um, taking a look and see what they can do up here. And, you know, hopefully um, Bugner will will start shifting the ice times to the younger legs and we can get to see, um, you know, get to see what they've got. Uh well, you can catch me at Eric Landy. That's my first name using E-R-I-K, Landy, L-A-N-D-I on all the social media garbage as far as final thoughts go. Um, don't wake me up in the morning for uh, for this particular game. It's not in the morning, but um, you know, I'll, I'll, I, I will probably n- sleep through this, this snooze fest that will be, well, it won't be a, a snooze fest, but it'll be a slaughter, and I don't know that I really want to watch that, so... Um, <laughs> in case you guys uh, missed us or you guys want to catch us again, um, check us out on all the podcasting platforms. That, of course, is Apple Podcasts, uh, the Google Play Store, YouTube, of course, uh, SoundCloud, Spotify, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, and always check us out on tealtownusa.com we've got all sorts of great news and editorials going up of course you could catch the jonathan becher uh, becker excuse me uh, san jose um uh, development plans with aj that was a really great episode and really great interview uh pucknologists all that and we appreciate every one of you watching and tuning in so let's see if i can do this correctly Keep it real. Keep it teal. Keep it real teal. Thank you, everybody, and have a great night.